Support for this podcast and the following message come from Gaia.com, the on-demand streaming TV service that helps you achieve your highest potential at your convenience. To get your first month at only 99 cents, visit GAIA.com forward slash My 7 Chakras. My 7 Chakras, episode 213. Nothing is more important than reconnecting with your bliss. Nothing is as rich. Nothing is more real. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my seven chakras, and now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras, the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will help you find your life's purpose. So if you've recently embraced a new way of living, then my friend, you have arrived at the right show. We've got an action-packed episode in store for you today. But before that, let's listen to a recent iTunes review. Today's review is by Chrissy DW, who says, I have been listening to this podcast for almost a year and absolutely love it. Thanks, AJ, for you and your guests that help others on their own personal journey. Action Tribe, if you've been waiting for the perfect time to write us an iTunes review, then let me announce that today is the day. Flip up your uh, iPhone or your regular phone, hit the review button, and straight away write your heart out. And of course, don't forget to hit submit. Uh, The bottom line is that I love hearing from you, whether it's on Instagram, at my7chakras, or email aj at my7chakras.com, or by leaving us an iTunes review. Whatever it is, I would like to know what your experience has been so far, what you like about the show, and how I can serve you better. So help me help you. And with that out of the way, it's now time to bring on our special guest for today, uh, who is Trisha Carr. So Trisha, are you ready to inspire? Yes, I am. Great. So Trisha Carr is a healing artist in Los Angeles, California, drawing upon gifts as an animal and nature communicator, medium and energy healer. Trisha works remotely with people and animals all over the world, providing online classes and one-on-one sessions. Trisha weekly hosts Charmed Life, a live online TV talk show that welcomes expert guest hosts to discuss spiritual topics. Additionally, she's also a podcaster, YouTube content creator, and a writer. Among Trisha's several books to be released this year, 2017, is one entitled Animals Are Who's Two, What Animals Teach Me About Life, Love, and the Universe. So, Trisha, a lot of interesting things happening for you this year. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, AJ. Great. So, uh, before we actually move on to the main portion of today's interview, let's begin with some really, really good, inspiring energy. So, let me ask you, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that apply to your day-to-day life? Well, I'm very, I'm not very good at picking favorites, but I, I actually do have one that's just right at the nugget of what's going on with me right now. So it is by Deepak Chopra, who is definitely one of the pioneers of my spiritual movement. <laughs> and this quote is, nothing is more important than reconnecting with your bliss. Nothing is as rich. Nothing is more real. And this really speaks to, to 
to me, it speaks to authenticity. Your bliss is, to me, feels uh, like that authentic piece of you that everyone seems to be seeking. Uh, when we are going through life and we say something's missing or I need to find myself, I think this is what Deepak is referring to here. And I love that he says nothing is more real because as we are talking about the world of energy or energy healing and um, metaphysics, we wonder or people question from, from the outside perhaps or skeptics might say, is it real or, or say one thing is more or less real. But I think that what is the most real is that bliss, is that authenticity. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing that amazing quote. I love Deepak Chopra. Some of his quotes are very mm -hmm. esoteric and abstract for me, but this one is so straightforward, so uh, direct and so profound. Nothing is more important than reconnecting with your bliss and in that statement is an implied assumption that we are reconnecting not connecting with your bliss but reconnecting because remember action tribe you're always connected in fact you were connected at a certain point and maybe at a certain point you got disconnected from your bliss because of things happening around you so nothing is more important than reconnecting with your bliss so thanks a lot for sharing that with us trisha and with that let's dive in uh, so what is your definition of energy healing well, um, you know, it's really just working in the energy world. So, you know, the, the non-physical or the energetic always precedes the physical or what, what eventually becomes manifested. So, you know, the more subtle expression, the, the, what we might say is pre-manifest, but really it isn't even pre-manifest. It is just as real, if not more so. Mm -hmm. It's just that it isn't yet the physical side of it, but that, so really that side of it. And, um, the way I work in, the energy realm is a lot through the through clairsentience, you know, with the feeling, but also with my clairvoyance. So my um, my mind's eye seeing the the uh, the mind of the imagination or the third eye, and then just with intention. So intending to um, move around the energy, bring in more light, to move out some stagnant or wounded energy. And uh, just being able to see and feel into an, another person's field. And it's as simple as that. It's intention, really. So you mentioned that the energetic always precedes what becomes physical, what manifests in the physical realm. So I love that. And you mentioned that you use uh, class sentience and clairvoyance in order to help people heal. Now, I've read that when you're helping people, you tune into their energetic field. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. And the so chakras. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about doing that? What, what do you look for? Um, well, of course, it's always starting with the person's uh, agreement and intention to have me um, tune in or, and whether I, you know, sometimes we call it hooking in or we, we call it tuning in. Um, basically, I, I start with clearing my own mind, uh, being in an active meditative state. So not, not a trance and really deep meditative state, but a more active one mm -hmm. and intending to tap into that, what I call the shared signal, just the, the unit, the unified, um, consciousness signal and, um, with their, again, with their intention and it kind of can work just about as well as the person will allow it to, because I can see and feel deeply into their field and into their different energy centers and see what's going on. And then my, my mediumship will often come into play with when I'm doing energy healing as well. Uh, but if the person is, if their heart isn't open, if they're, if they're resistant or afraid in any area, then, you know, it just simply won't take effect. No harm can be done because I'm just working completely with the highest good and with the highest love and with connecting. So, um, but as I, so as I do, I just clear my mind and then just 
basically start from nothing and then just wait for it to show up. <laughs> it's interesting. It's actually doing nothing. I learned how to do nothing so that then divine can take over. Great. So you mentioned that you start first of all with clearing what's happening in your mind, but you mentioned that it's in like an like an active sort of meditation and then you uh, tap into the shared signals. What is the shared signal that you refer to? That's how that's what I call it. And actually there is a, a scientific uh, basis for for that. If you, I mean, we we like to liken it to radio frequencies and radio um, the radio transmissions. It's always it's a very easy way for us to understand it, but it's very similar. But the shared frequency that I'm referring to is, you know, there was a study in I think 2004 where um, they looked at some very experienced Tibetan monks, experienced meditators. And then they took a group, a control group of inexperienced meditators, and they just had them meditate for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they just observed their brain activity. And when we get into, you know, we have alpha, beta, delta, theta, and gamma brainwaves. These are all different brainwave frequencies. You know, we say our thoughts are actually frequencies just like those radio waves. So when we reach the gamma brainwave state, we actually, they can see, they can scientifically um, measure that the brain waves, that the, the, the monks, their thoughts and their, their expressions, they started to synchronize and unify. Mm-hmm. And so they actually connect with unity consciousness when they're in that gamma brainwave state. So being, a, being practicing meditation daily and being able to access that in an instance, I think is what actually gets me to, that is that shared signal that I'm, I'm easily able to access. Wonderful. So during this state, when you're trying to help the person, or maybe you're trying to tap into the shared signal first or the shared frequency, are you also able to see auras? Are you able to see people's auras or subtle energy? Yes, definitely. And, you know, it's uh, the, the electromagnetic field is what I'm working in. So, sure. you know, yes. So, yes, definitely. And that's aura is another way to talk about sort I think really the boundary of the electromagnetic field mm. and then what what exists inside of it. And that's exactly what I work in. Um, so sometimes we have, I'll work it deep into their, their energy centers and that's yeah. a really effective way. They're different chakras as you know, the seven chakras and even the, the eighth chakra, the soul star right above us that can be very impactful in this work as well. Um, but I do work along all of the areas of the energy field. So sometimes it's as if we have tears in our, our auric field okay. because of, you know, maybe some trauma, but it could even be incidental stuff like, you know, a person on the freeway gave us the finger and, you know, said some harsh words. That kind of stuff can actually be a little traumatic. And we think it's subtle and we move on from it, and, but um, it could actually kind of tear a little hole in that aura field. Um, that to obviously more profound stuff that is affecting the different parts of our, our um, feeling states. Wonderful. So uh, I love that you mentioned that it all starts with maybe a bad experience that you have on the road or maybe you meet somebody and somebody says you something. So for the benefit of our audience, could you sort of walk us through what exactly happens from that conversation to how it actually, you know, works its way through the different auric layers maybe and, and, and how it manifests ultimately into, I don't know, a disease or, or an illness? Could, could you help us get that perspective? Well, sure. So do you mean like if a conversation is something that might seem incidental in a daily, like I said, like the traffic incident I mentioned? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, um, quite honestly, I'm sure a lot of your audience is at least somewhat familiar, if not extremely familiar with the law of attraction. Mm. And the law of attraction really speaks to what we're creating all the time. And we are creating frequencies 
to align with certain experiences. And every single time, every single experience is our being intending to heal something. So the person that we attract, we actually do attract the the freeway person that's yelling at us and Mm -hmm. overreacting to a traffic incident because that is actually telling about something that wants to heal. And um, so how if we continue to ignore these signals or not really catch on to them, then our, our bodies then will start to take over the charge of trying Mm. to heal us. And like I said, everything starts non-physically or energetically before it becomes physical. So anytime we have a physical injury or ailment or illness, it's really our bodies trying to off gas some kind of energy that we no longer desire or no longer need. And if we, Again, we, if we can take that signal and we're moving past it, then that's great. But if, we, if we're not able to really get to the bottom of it for whatever reason or we choose not to, then it could become something that's a little more, you know, to the extreme, chronic or something like that. Mm. Um, and, you know, what's interesting is that this, just this past year or even six months, I was doing some deep healing. I had an energy coach and we were doing some deep chakra healing. And every time we moved into a new chakra to uh, do some deep healing, uh, there would, something would manifest that was incredibly, I mean, just like you can't even write it. It's so Mm. like telling. So when we, when we got to my throat chakra, I'm very much a throat chakra dominant person. Uh, That's I'm on this podcast (laughs) talking right now. (laughs) The night after we started to open, we started to get into the healing of my throat chakra. I developed strep throat. Now I don't want to scare anyone. It's a good thing, but I had really taken an intention to release a ton of old stagnant energy. I'm talking since I was a child where I was, mm-hmm. when I was told children are to be seen and not heard. That was something I was told as a child, but bless the people who told me that I'm sure they didn't intend for it to be something I dealt with when I was 43, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was my, it was my choice to take that lesson and on. And, um, and so, I mean, I did, I mean, everything's been wonderful, but every single chakra, something really interesting would happen. Mm -hmm. And even before I started that this past year, I got a foot injury and I knew that that foot injury was talking to me about my path and about how I'm taking steps on my path. And it was actually my left foot, which I know has the left side of your body has to do with receiving. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew that message was the steps of my path that I'm taking. I just need to receive them. And I needed to uh, uh, let that energy air out. And so it's really a blessing, even if we get some kind of illness or ailment. (laughs) So there you go, Action Tribe. If you are facing a certain illness or disease or a health challenge, there's a large chance that it might be because, you know, your your higher self or, or spirit is trying to communicate with you or trying to tell you something. So you need to look for the signs and identify why this might have manifested in your life. And uh, understanding energy healing and, you know, your subtle body, that helps you, uh, you know, take steps towards um, dealing with the root cause instead of just, you know, taking a medicine and solving the symptoms, but then it manifests once again. Uh, so Trisha, quick question. You're able to see auras. How did you go about developing that um, skill of yours or that gift of yours? Did you Were you always able to see auras? Or was it at a certain point that you took steps towards being able to perceive uh, human auras? Well, um, you know, I mostly use my third eye. I can see them with my physical eyes if I sort of concentrate, but um, it's just actually easier to see them with my third eye. And Mm. um, my third eye opened 
I, I didn't really realize that I, I don't know if it was closed or not at some mm, point, but okay. I did. Ha- I did have sort of a, an awakening. I do have an awakening story, even though it was there's a lot of pre shadow events. But I do have this sort of um, moment where things really started to become more. I'm more conscious in, in this way in the very, you know, in the concepts that we discussed. Yeah. Um, and then I started my meditation practice at that time in, in the interest of just becoming, you know, healthy and balanced and, and emotionally clear and all of that. And uh, I was visualizing during those meditations. So just apparently my that's that's when my third eye became very active and very skilled, I would say. Um, and I don't think it was ever completely closed. I just didn't realize that there was an, a, a conscious way to use it before if that makes sense i certainly did when i was a child yeah (laughs) which we all do i think (laughs) um but yeah so it it just sort of started during my meditation practice so so in terms of visualization what sort of uh things did you visualize did you you know visualize the uh center you know between your eyes and right above or because many of our listeners are going through this phase right now where they're meditating and they're uh focusing more on their own consciousness uh you know and attempting to open their third eye you know perceive uh you know subtle energies and things like that so how did you you know what type of visualizations did you do in order to get closer to awakening that third eye well um i my meditation always includes uh rooting uh which part you could Google a guided meditation, how to do that, but it's where you're growing roots out of your feet and um, getting grounded into Mother Earth and feeling her uh, connection and protection and support. Yeah. And then I also bring light in down through from from divine and uh, basically through my all of my chakras. So and then I fill up that that light. I let it continue to fill up what is like my bubble is how I visualize it, but it's basically my electromagnetic field or my auric field. Yeah. And so those are the kind of two basic, and they still are with me, the basic um, bookends that I used in my meditation, even from the beginning of my practice. I, I highly recommend that we actually focus on I, what works for me is to go from the root chakra up and really do deep healing on each of those areas and go ahead and then work up to the, the third eye. And it just happens when it's, when it's the right time, if that makes sense. Because actually if we open the, I've just heard stories of folks opening their third eye when they hadn't quite done the lower chakra work mm. and they still were um, vibrating and, and on the frequency of a lot of their old past fears. Yeah. And so then opening their third eye just kind of intensified that, those fears that were already present, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had a great conversation with uh, Steve Taylor, who wrote the book, uh, The Psychology of Spiritual Awakening. And he shared some really interesting insights in terms of different ways that people awaken spiritually. And he spoke that s- certain people have this intense experience at a certain point in their lives, intense grief or depression, and that's when it awakens. Whereas on the other hand, you know, sometimes for some people, it's a step by step by step process. And when they look back, they don't sort of realize when that magic moment was when their third eye you know you know got awoken or whatever it is but there are different trends uh, uh for sure my question is uh, in terms of your energy healing journey how did you first become aware of the field of energy healing and what was your initial reaction well this is really kind of funny um i'm sure i had heard the word energy healing and i'd heard reiki and all that kind of stuff as yeah. you know we just do whether we're in a spiritual seeking kinds of zeitgeist or not but um this is actually i actually was told this by one of my spirit guides uh she was when i met her she just started touching my hands 
I could, you know, I, I could see in my clairvoyance, she was touching my hands, the center of my hands and showing me how they would light up. And she told me the word energy healer. Mm. And, um, so it's kind of very mystical the way it came about for me. Yeah. And then I just started working with myself and then moved on to my family. And, you know, I was actually, I have never even had a Reiki session or anything like that. Um, I'm actually, I guess you would say I'm self-taught, but um, of course there's, I, I, you know, come across a lot of people who, you know, are in the stuff that we do, but, and I hear that about their teaching, I'm influenced by teachers, but I've never actually read a full book on it. And the reason for, for that is actually, again, from my guides, they've told me that at least at this point, for me that I'm meant to develop just my own fingerprint and that just with, with my own um, intuition and with, you know, counseling from that spiritual team, that that's the best way for me. And part of that is because I think because I'm an empath yeah. and sometimes when I learn as an empath, I, I have this habit of mimicking the teacher or, or trying to take on their modality as, and cause I feel their conviction about it. And then I actually get blocked. So <laughs> right now the, 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 um, advice is that I just continue from this sort of very pure, well, that, that authentic and bliss state that Deepak tells us about in that quote yeah. <laughs> and it works. It's working for me very much. Very true. I think that's some really great advice, uh, especially for our listeners who might be seeking ways, uh, or steps towards, uh, their spiritual awakening. And I think what you're saying is that there's no one size fits all for everyone, right? Everyone has their own individual journey. And if you take your time to listen to the messages that is being sent to you by spirit or by intuition, that those messages are actually customized to your own journey. And it's so Absolutely. amazing that you have, uh, taken heed to those messages and not you know gone the usual route or maybe a route w- that somebody else would have taken which is maybe might be through you know initial coaching and on books and things like that and you you are self-taught which is amazing because you know why now right you said that you're an empath and you gave us the reason why which is which is phenomenal uh, but how did you how did you connect with your spirit guide how did you go about doing that you know, um, the first one that I connected with, I, uh, if I remember the, oh, I remember the order now. So I want to give you a genuine story. <laughs> the first one that I connected with, um, I was just uh, in meditation and he just sort of appeared before me okay. and, um, I asked his name and it was interesting because I asked his name, he gave me a name and I could see, you know, his, uh, him, his face, his kind of, you know, countenance and everything. In your mind's um, eye, right? In, in my mind's eye. Yes. Okay. And I think if I saw him in in front of me with my physical eyes, I would have been too scared. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, I do see some things with my physical eyes sometimes. And that's more, I think, now as I'm more comfortable with it. But it's not really necessary to see things with your physical eyes. Um, Although I know there are some people who do see things with their physical eyes Mm -hmm. more. And that's just fine because that works for them. That is, again, like you're saying, their own personalized, um, signature, the way that they, that things go about for them. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so he just appeared and then I asked him his name and I asked him if we had a connection, like in the real, you know, physical lives together. But what he gave me was, he gave me his name and then he gave me a a year in which he existed. And he also gave me another clue Mm. about, um, 
about uh, the witch trials and stuff like that. So I actually was able to find a reference to him in literature that he was the wife, or he, excuse me, he was the husband of a woman who was um, burned as a witch and she was just, you know, not, not because there were yeah. <laughs> very few of those people that went through that that were, and he was separated from his wife. So I actually found reference to him and the time by the time period that he gave me. Interesting, interesting. So that's the first time, that's the first interaction you had with the spirit guide. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that's right. That was the first one. Got and um, another one that also gave me evidences is really interesting is the one I was telling, I was talking about who was touching my hands and told me I'm an energy healer. Yeah. And so she was, she was appearing to me. And at first she was appearing to me as this small, like gold skin, what I thought was maybe a leprechaun. And it was, you know, just whatever I see. I, I also connect with the fairy realm and, and um, the fourth dimensional, you know, David realms and stuff like that. And then eventually she, I saw her kind of look more like, uh, you know, a human woman. And she told me her name. I kept hearing her name as Lee or Lily or Lelia or Layla. I got all these different names for her. And yeah. I was journaling about them all the time. And so then after a couple of months of journaling about uh, Lee, I just ended up calling her Lelia. And um, then I, I actually, on a lark, I don't know a lot about my family history. And my cousin on Facebook mentioned something about our ancestry. And so I actually had to ask her, like, what's our grandfather's name? That's how little I know about my ancestry. I didn't even know my grandfather's name. And so with just that piece, I went on Ancestry.com, and I discovered that my great-grandmother's name is Lelia, Mm. And actually went through the census records, and the census records had her name spelled all those different ways. One year it was Lee, and one year it was Layla, and one year it was Lily. Like you know, they just kept poor records then. Right. And so I discovered that she was actually she's actually my great grandmother. Wow, and, that's interesting. So your great grandmother yeah. came to meet you and give you guidance about uh, what steps to take uh, in your journey. Yes, absolutely. And she's yeah, she's with me now. I, I commune with her every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's wonderful. One, you know, uh, a friend of mine and also someone who's been on the show one day told me that my grandfather is one of my spirit guides and he's trying mm. to communicate with me. So mm. that's really, really interesting. So Tricia, what is the astral realm? Well, the astral realm is like the fourth dimension. It's basically the first layer of non-physical. So we are actually third dimensional, obviously. We are 3D, but we're also part 4D. Because when we sleep, we are in the astral realm. Mm -hmm. All those dreams that we're having, it's just like Deepak said, it is just as real. And and so it's us playing out. And so, you know, again, if you have a frightening dream or something like that, it's just you playing out these scenarios. And a lot of times it's just so you can just off gas, just like your body, you know, getting some kind of ailment because it's just trying to move energy through. And sometimes we do that in the astral realm. We're just playing out scenarios so we can express energy. But other times we are creating real um, having real experiences with real entities, real beings that are, are non-physical in order mm. to get, you know, energetic downloads and attunements and inspiration and knowledge and, uh, you know, connecting with our intelligence, all kinds of stuff goes on when we sleep. So we are, you know, eight to eight. Oh, I, unfortunately, some people don't sleep enough. So six, six to nine hours a night, okay. <laughs> we are in the non-physical astral realm. Got it. So we're actually having spiritual experience every night. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Irrespective of how uh, how strong our belief is. But uh, like you're saying, when we sleep, we're in the astral realm and we might be interacting or maybe communicating uh, or collaborating with uh, these entities. Yes, who absolutely. Who might be teaching us something that will help us on our journey ahead. So do you particularly astrally project or oh, practice well, astral projection? Well, I've 
had, um, I've had astral projection. I haven't, I haven't done it. Um, I guess I don't, I haven't done any protocol where I am trying to do it. It just okay. happens. And uh -huh. it, I just kind of leave it up to my, um, spirit team, you know, my, my guides and my angels as yeah. to when it's an appropriate time. And, and I just allow them to sort of be my guides and to help me to get those, those clues as to be in that frequency. Mm. Um, I've had it happen. I have astral journeys when I meditate sometimes. And again, I don't like plan them really. I just, my meditation in the morning will be whatever it's going to be that day. And sometimes it's, it's a lot of prayer. Sometimes it's actual kind of energy, yeah. um, healing on myself. Sometimes it's mediumistic. And then sometimes it's an astral journey. Mm. Um, and I've had a real, the, the most intense one I had actually did happen while I was sleeping and it feels Inc it is distinctively different than dreaming. It's nothing like dreaming. It's 100% yeah. being out of the body. And I mm -hmm. think that, that that is, I think that's a, an easy way for us to be able, because again, we're already in the astral realm or we're yeah. already, our consciousness is there. So then to, to where all of our resistance is down and for us to be able to re remove our entire consciousness from our bodies, it's, it's a good time for that to happen. We're, we're less likely to become afraid. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so you mentioned that uh, you had that experience, uh, astral projection. You did not plan it, but it just happened while you were sleeping. Could you talk to us about what happened exactly? Yeah, sure. It was really interesting. Um, so in the dream, I died. Um, you know, the dream, I somehow I died in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And um, as I so I I came out and I could see them taking off my body. And um, and what, what's well, I have to just mention a little side note here. What's fascinating about this dream is that my my memory of my husband yeah. and my, my animals was gone in this dream. So it was, so it helped me to commit. So they, my, my team helped me to suppress my, because even when I have just your typical dreams, I'll think about my animals and I'll think about my husband. You know what I mean? Like I can't have yeah. a dream about dating someone else. Cause I'll be like, Oh, my husband. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, so, so that's what I found. One thing was really fascinating was that my memory of my, of my real life was suppressed in that degree, at least. Um, and so I was wandering around waiting, just waiting for the light to show up because I just knew that's what's supposed to happen next. And sure. I, I, for a moment I was like, well, it's very sad. I'm sure who's left behind is, is sad for me, but all that matters is that I get to the light. So I was waiting for the light and I couldn't, and the light wasn't coming. And so I started to knock on doors, but they couldn't really hear me. They could hear me a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. and I just started to get really lonely. And so then I went to this um, stone garden and I connect with minerals. Um, you know, I'm a nature communicator as well and animal communicator. And I started to connect with the minerals because I was like, well, they can see me at least. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go see my neighbor's dog because at least he'll be able to see me and communicate with me because I'm so lonely waiting for this light. Or maybe he'll be able to help me how to find it. And, um, and that was, that was the, that was kind of the substance. I kind of, it's interesting. I've kind of forgotten it right now. I've, I've written it down, but that was the substance of it. But yeah. I was, I was completely out of my body and genuinely experienced what it's like to be, um, you know, without your body and before you actually cross over. And so my, my takeaway was to have a lot of empathy, a lot of compassion for those who do pass initially, because they, they come to me as a medium a lot and, and how to be able to help them and have a lot of compassion for them and help them to be able to cross over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, thanks a lot for sharing. Actually, uh, a couple of days back or maybe a week back, a friend of mine lost her dog, mm. you know, the dog so uh, uh, had cancer. Yeah. And so, 
you know unfortunate she had that particular pet uh for 12 years now so it was a good amount of time and uh it's quite interesting that i i noticed that you communicate with animals as well using telepathy is that correct yes yes that's right yeah yeah and so since since pets and and dogs and cats are to so many people like family right because they spend Absolutely. a lot of time with them they relate with them they're able to communicate with them more so than humans as well so how do you go about communicating with animals well what's what's great about uh, communicating with animals telepathically is that it is how they primarily communicate so they if you're you're having an, a telepathic conversation with an animal the person the animal the, the your conversational partner is an expert so it makes it a lot easier mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're usually they're very excited that a human is engaging in this way because most of us walk around believing that we can't do it or we don't we aren't doing it consciously sure we do it we're all doing it all the time and our okay. animals are hearing us and you know sometimes uh, with my clients my the animal will say well i don't know why she hired you because she hears me all the time <laughs> you know and i think that's really nice you know that the person gets the validation that they are oh, okay. yeah they are communicating with their animal um so how i do it is um again from an active meditative state i always with my clients i get um a photograph of the animal in which i could clearly see their eyes because that yeah. helps me to you know tune into their field specifically I just get their name. That's also a really um, a great calling card because the name is something that the, it's their their connection to the human. And so then when I use that name, they're going to know that their human, who they love so much, has brought me into the relationship, you know, asked me to do this. And it, it conjures a lot of affection and um, opens the heart. And um, then I get like their name, you know, just a few details, just sort of these calling cards for me to be able to reach out to them. Yep. And I meet with the animal remotely, one-on-one um, -on -one before I speak with the person, just so I can get some, you know, we can have some, uh, some alone time and I can just get some clear uh, conversation. And, um, and so I just call out to them. I, I you know, do a meditation first and then I call out to them in my mind and I will see them clairvoyantly approach. Mm -hmm. And then I introduce myself and explain that the, um, that the, their human had asked me to speak with them and just ask their permission. And they may have a couple of questions. See, I have all kinds of responses. Sometimes they're super excited. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're like, why am I in trouble? Not, just because they're like, this is a weird thing. Why is this happening? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get all kinds of responses. And, um, and I'll be like, no, she just wants to make sure that you're happy. And she's like, oh. And sometimes they'll like weep with how, how touched they are at the fact that their human wants to have this experience with them. Um, and that's it. And it's, um, I think what is integral to being able to have a, a, a clear conversation with an animal is also to understand a bit about their perspective because they do have a different perspective. Of course, they have a different perspective as an individual, but also just animals have a different perspective than humans because they, for, for example, they're closer, what we say, I say like they're closer to divinity in their perspective because they are closer to Gaia, to Mother Earth. And Mother Earth's energetic signature is very similar to source energy's energetic signature. So for they, they do, for example, understand that we're eternal. You know, they haven't completely forgotten it like humans do. And um, they're also, but at the same time, they're more present. So they're very committed to this life. Um, they may, they remember their past lives, but they don't really focus on them that much unless it's important. You know, they wouldn't be obsessed with it. They may reference them sometimes, but they're very present. They're very much in this moment. And this is what's important. There's a lot of different things like that. There are different, slightly different density, which is a whole different topic than we are. 
but um, very close to our density at the same time, especially when they're domesticated. Got it. So uh, how does it work then? Does the client give you certain questions that they want to ask the, you know, the pet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Sort of okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always start with kind of just general, like, is there anything you want to talk about? You know, give them the floor. And and then I go through the questions that the, the person has asked. They submit anywhere from four to ten questions, I would say. And, um, yeah, we just, go, we just go through those. And then I'll ask some additional ones, or we just see where we go. I'll ask some additional ones, like how, if they haven't asked about a certain um, arrangements in the home, like how's their water and how's their food. Um, and then another thing that I always do is a body scan. And so this is um, sort of like a remote viewing. I do remote view with them. And so okay. remote viewing means I actually ask the animal's permission for me to take the space of their perspective. And so I see through their eyes the way they see. And so if I will see through their eyes and see their, the, their home and the different things around that they, um, you know, that they see. But with the body scan, it's actually a... Um, it's a it's a clairsentient type of activity where I actually feel the animal's body as though it is my own. It's not entirely I don't start barking and but you know what I mean like it's, <laughs> it's a light version of what that would mean. I'm not but I do like I'll feel even if I imagine if I had cat's ears or something and you know I feel down into it and I'll just get a ping. I'll get a sensation if there's something going on. You know it could just be that this ear is itchy and I'll get I'll get that, um, the hint of it, or I'll get like a, what I call a ping. It's almost like I'll get a, a spot in the lower area and I'm like, okay, that feels like that's probably the urinary tract. You know what I mean? And I will just stay on that area a little bit. And I imagine then what it would feel like in my body. And then I can kind of explain what that is. And, and I'm not a doctor or, or a vet or, a, you know, a met, I, I just use my own experience my own physical experience to explain what I'm picking up. Got it. Now, uh, I'm sure uh, you've got this question before, but as a communicator, as, a, as someone who is able to communicate with animals via uh, telepathy, how do you go about making sure that the message you're receiving is authentic uh, and it's not something that your mind is making up? Well, it, I, I actually listened to a recent um, episode of yours and I really loved what she said and I apologize, I don't remember her name right now, but she said it always feels like we're making it up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> until we get validation. So when I have that preliminary conversation with the animal, I'm just bringing it all out. I'm just, I'm taking sure. notes. And then, um, I do will ask, I will ask them things like, which just helps them like, can you tell me your favorite activity or if you have a favorite toy or something like that, just to kind of, you know, as a little bit of evidence. So yeah. that, and then, you know, they will showing me things about their home and, um, exactly what their food dish looks like. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the person didn't tell me that they have eczema on the uh, inside of their right leg, but that kind of stuff I'll, I'll be, have picked up, you know? And, um, so it's really, it's the evidences. Um, one time a dog, I asked him about his favorite toy and I saw two different toys. I saw a bone that was green, a green shape, yeah. a green bone. And then I also saw a Kong toy, which is those toy, those things that they put the food inside so the dog can try to dig it out. Mm -hmm, and yeah, what I know as Kongs are the ones that are shaped like pyramids. So I, that's what I saw. And it turns out his favorite toy is a bone shaped Kong <laughs> that is green. <laughs> so I saw oh. two different things because I was just <laughs> translating the vibration and that's what it is. I was translating the vibration of what he was giving me and yep. it worked with the things in my mind that I, I have associations for. And so wow. yeah, how, uh, the answer is that it's just the evidences that the person um, validating and saying, yes, that's exactly what's going on. And that is what, 
you know, his food dish looks like and whatnot. Awesome. So this is this is really fascinating. And I just imagine maybe, uh, I don't know, five year, 500 years down the line or 600 or 800 years down the line when everyone on the planet, hopefully if you still have the planet left, but <laughs> if everyone uh, is, um, you know, uh, telepathic, then, you know, conversations can take place without talking as well so everyone's just communicating uh through thought i I think it's going to be sooner than that i mean i don't know for sure it's of course we're we're creating timelines in every single moment but uh i mean we all feel that we're ascending together that the vibration is raising of the planet and of all of us individually and collectively so as we do that then you know we're, we're going to start using more energetic based practices like telepathy, you know, and I actually teach a class for that reason to help people to reconnect because it is actually our first language. We spoke it as babies or we communicated that way with our parents. And, um, we just started to focus on the, the physicalized communication, verbal and other physical cues. And we just don't realize that we're, we're using telepathy, but we always are. Everyone, everyone has the experience of walking into the room with e- either their partner or their best friend or someone with whom they're very close. And without even seeing their face, they know what mood they're in. That's it. That's the same thing. That's telepathy. Nice. So how does all of this relate to spirit animals and what are they? Oh, that's a great question. I actually recently wrote, uh, a, a, I, do a, I do spirit animal readings. Okay. So so spirit, there's two different ways to look at that. First of all, um, our past animals, animals that we've, that were our, um, uh, uh, you know, our family members or our pets in this life, okay. they, they will be like guardians for us. So they're really more like spirit guides. Um, our animals, you know, I'm sure you, uh, many people have heard of like the soul group where we have different consciousnesses that we continue to reincarnate with. And um, animals are actually a part of our soul group as well. So, um, you know, we have maybe uh, the person who is our mother in this life, you know, she is uh, next life. Maybe uh, you're going to be her mother and, you know, so on and so on. And yeah. so our animals actually are, are and, and they, because their lifespans are, you know, shorter than ours, a lot of our, you know, like our cats and dogs for sure. And our birds, um, then they will, well, not parrots, parrots, lifespan are about the same as ours. <laughs> um, <laughs> But they will continue to reincarnate in this life with us. Um, not all the time, because sometimes they want to hang back until the co- com- your completion of this incarnation and then start over again in another one of your incarnations. Sure. Um, so that's, you know, like animals being our spirit guides. But then spirit animals is more in the sort of Davic realm. So these would be um, representations of of animals. And so like, well, one of my spirit animals is my kind of my master spirit animal is actually a unicorn, which is not, mm. not an animal that actually comes down and incarnates, incarnates anymore. Um, but, the, but unicorns and for example, dragons absolutely do exist still. They just exist in, um, higher realms, fourth, fifth, and, um, so on. Um, but then, you know, I also, cat is also one of my spirit animals or or like totems is what the native American culture refers to them as. And so they are, um, they're representatives of their, of their spiritual, um, makeup of that species, but they're actual literal consciousnesses too. So it's sort of like, it's sort of, I I don't, I don't want to use, I don't want to compare it too closely to this, but like an ascended master, um, this would be an animal that is representing their kind, but they are their own individual, but they, it sort of embody 
all of the qualities of that species. Sure. And we all have, we all have several, I would say we all have at least three and um, we might have, I think we all have one and one individual and one, you know, type that is with us is sort of like our master and they're with us our entire life. And then we may, we may have more than one that is with us our entire life. And then we have others that are coming in and out because of mm-hmm. the different things that we're working through. Again, it's very similar to how our spirit guides work. So is there any advice that you have for someone who might want to find out who or what their spirit animal is? Well, I'll tell you that it seems to me everyone who is interested and is curious and who is asking already knows. And so just, I would say, just believe it. So if you asked your question, if you cleared your mind for a second and you said, what's What's my spirit animal? And you said, elephant, that's it. I'm telling you, that's it. That's your spirit animal. (laughs) (laughs) So just believe it and embrace it and trust it. It's another way that you're reconnecting to that bliss, to your authenticity, is to start validating for yourself. You don't need outside validation. Just validate it for yourself. And that is the most powerful. So thanks a lot for sharing those stories and for that information. Uh, For someone listening to the show right now, for one of our action takers, what is that one action step that you'd like to recommend uh, for our listeners? Well, um, it's going to sound like eat your vegetables maybe to some, but it's meditate. <laughs> it's really the, the, and I mean the meditating that's quiet and the intention is to clear the mind and make contact, make contact with the inner being, but, or, or with source energy, which is the same thing. The inner being is the expression of source energy or, you know, the God self. So um, I think it's that is the most important thing that you can do to be able to connect with that bliss to that authenticity. Just do that every day. And it really doesn't take any more than I say you can just start your habit by five, saying five minutes, but uh, give yourself 10 minutes and then uh, give yourself a 30 day challenge. But really, after two weeks, it'll be like drinking water and you just you crave it. I think it's my personal um, advice. I think it's good, especially when you're starting out, to do it first thing in the morning before you start any other conversations. So I meditate. <laughs> so action drive for today's show notes, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 213. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 213. And before moving on, let's listen to a word from our sponsor. Explore the vast traditions of yoga with the Gaia original series Yogic Paths. Filmed across India, the 13-episode series captures the beauty of mystical Indian landscapes and never-before-seen ashrams while taking the viewer on a journey through the many traditions of yoga. While the practice of physical postures called asanas is most well-known in the West, understanding the full scope of this rich and varied tradition gives meaning and power to the yoga that we know today. Action Tribe, since you're listening to this show, it's clear that you are interested in topics such as chakras, yoga, and self-realization, and you know exactly where to go for audio content and interviews. And I sure hope you feel this way about our show, My 7 Chakras. But where do you go if you want a streaming TV video service with the same values and similar content? The answer is Gaia.com. To start watching this show, The Yogic Paths, as well as get your first month at Gaia for just 99 cents, visit Gaia.com forward slash My 7 Chakras. That's G-A-I-A dot com forward slash My S-E-V-E-N-C-H-A-K-R-A-S. In karma yoga, no effort is ever lost and there is no harm. Even a little practice of this discipline protects one from great fear of birth and death. This is a wonderful quote uh, from the Bhagavad Gita. 
Action Tribe, no effort is ever lost. Say this to yourself whenever you need to. No effort is lost. There is no meaning in worrying about whether you are good enough or talented enough or deserving of the role that you are in maybe or capable enough. All these worries lead to nowhere. Always set your intentions on the task at hand. Remember that there is no failure but only feedback and take action. Because the act of taking small steps towards your goal will help you build momentum that will ultimately charge you through the finish line. So Trisha, talk to us about a time when you went through a major life challenge. Uh, how did you find yourself in that situation? And then what steps did you take to overcome it? Well, I had a... A, a difficult childhood. Um, there was a lot of abuse and, um, it, it was, it was very, yeah, it was very difficult. So I, I became an adult, a young adult with a lot of damage and I subsequently attracted into my life some very similar relationships. So it seems like they were to a lesser degree. They weren't as damaging, but, um, so I found myself in my twenties in just very, very, I'm, difficult relationships and actually very isolated at the same time. So, um, I did have a point where I didn't know what to do and I didn't, I, I didn't feel violent against, my, against myself, but I did think, well, this life is just done. I shouldn't, I just need to, this, this doesn't make any sense. There's no way to have a future, but I didn't, <laughs> um, nothing, nothing happened. I said, obviously I'm still alive, but, um, what I did was I just started to, um, Go, get back to myself. So I did start to read and I became an avid runner, which was, I think my sort of first meditative practice. Um, and because I would I'd run very long distances. So at some point my mind would become pretty clear. I just started believing in myself. I just started not listening to the relationships, those, those outside people that would say, you can't do this and you shouldn't do this. I just started doing, and, uh, it was as simple as like taking a class at the college and deciding that I was going to go to lunch with a friend, an old friend, a new friend, or something like that, a different friend, and um, stopped listening to the person and the people who were inhibiting me or ex intending to inhibit me because I was really the only one who was truly inhibiting myself. And then the reading actually did, did a lot of good for me. This is when I started reading Deepak Chopra and Dr. Wayne Dyer, so, and then eventually Eckhart Tolle. And that their wisdom and it started to prick my own wisdom, which is what I think teachers are meant to do. And that's that's how that 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 sort of led to your transformation. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. Um, it's it was it was um, everything. All of this was uh, a pre-shadow. My big transformation came years later, but I I was so prepared for it um, that it, it happened in a big kind of final opening where my gifts opened up and all of that. But I already understood that I'd already been reading about the law of attraction. I'd already started to understand energy. You know, I started, I'd already been really primed well. And also like that story of, of hardship that I just described, that was me working through some of those lower chakra issues and releasing fear. Mm -hmm. So going up, even though, even though I didn't really realize that's what I was doing, and that's fine because it's all very natural. I was working um, through the different chakra system, the energy centers, and then eventually building up to where I was ready to open my throat chakra and my third eye and my crown, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, before we move on, in just one sentence, what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to share with our listeners? A major life lesson is to know that you are, you are sovereign. Your, your spiritual experience is, is, is yours entirely. And, um, 
every time, even when we reference source energy or God, when we reference without, it's really an, the opportunity to reference within because we are an expression of source energy. We are an expression of God. We are collectively God. So just knowing that you are, your worth is as worthy as God in, in himself or itself. <laughs> I feel funny using mm-hmm. a pronoun for God, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yes, that, um, you, you are, no, I'm just going to say it. You are source energy. You are God. So, um, just be able to own that. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that. Uh, you, you shared that, uh, you had a difficult childhood and many of our listeners, uh, have had many challenges, uh, during the childhood, me included. And you mentioned that you ended up, uh, you know, when you grew older, attracting destructive relationships because of the experiences that you had in childhood. And at one point, you felt very isolated, uh, a bit of, a bit confused, and you did not know what to do. Uh, but then you looked at that as an opportunity to take some action, and you began reading these books, like you like you mentioned, you started getting inspired by Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle as well. You began doing physical exertion, like running which like you mentioned uh, so amazingly which is another type of meditation uh, for those who are on the on, on the on the path to actually being able to meditate um, you know you can always do moving meditation and then you started trusting in yourself and you started taking action and connecting with like-minded people which i think is a great way to just share uh, in that energy when you meet someone uh, who you don't know maybe but who is who, who you know is someone who you can learn from or is who is someone that uh, that can share your energy changes and like the thousands of listeners who are listening to our episode right now they're also partaking in this uh, conversation and thereby enhancing the quality of their lives so thanks a lot for sharing trisha i think that was really really inspiring oh thank you so much yes so action drive i hope you enjoyed the interview so far we're about 75 percent through today's session but before we move on i wanted to talk about the concept of taking action as you guys know i'm a firm believer of the power of taking action towards our goals because every action no matter how small has an effect an effect that you might not notice right now but will manifest into something sometime soon we all take action in our lives if you think about it in some way or the other but i want to invite you to be more mindful about the actions that we are taking towards our vision many people think that yoga is all about stretching and becoming more flexible but in reality it is so much more yoga is about uniting the mind body and soul it's about intent yoga is about visualizing as we're learning, visualization is so powerful. Yoga is about acting in accordance with our highest values. And ultimately, yoga is about action. In fact, even if you don't do the poses of yoga on a daily basis, you don't do the asanas, you're still a yogi if intention drives your every thought and action. Because as Michelle Berry once so eloquently put, yoga is the unifying art of transforming dharma into action, be it through inspired thought properly nurturing our children, a painting, a kindness, or an act of peace that forever moves humanity forward. So Trisha, as on today, what is your life calling? Well, I call myself a healing artist as uh, sort of the catch-all to um, be able to include the different modalities. The reason I I use the words healing artist is because um, I, I, I connect with all of this work, this energy healing um teaching you know counseling 
mediumship, um, animals and nature communication, um, to the, the process of being an artist. I believe that all artists are healers. That is actually what they're doing. They're, they're conducting, they're, they're conducting divine energy and they're inspiring. And, um, you know, being inspired by a painting is just as healing as having a Reiki session, in my opinion, or at least can be, you know, it has, it is an opportunity for that healing. And so um, I, I approach it, I've always, I was always an artist before I started doing this work. And so then as this work started to open up for me, I realized that it was just a different artistic expression. And, um, and I was able to marry my, my creative expression, what I've always been doing as an artist, with my interest in making myself and others the best possible versions of themselves and being able to connect with source and, you know, and connecting and as a whole, you know, that, that unified, um, experience. So, you know, that's, that's me. I'm a healing artist. (laughs) So there you go, Ashton Drive. Tap into your art within you so that you can become a healing artist. And with that, it is now time for the wisdom round. which comprises of four questions so that you can get those actionable pieces of nugget that you can apply and transform your life. So, Trisha, what is the best advice that someone has ever given you? Someone told me once, be weird. People like weird. Name a personal habit that keeps you going. Meditation. Absolutely. And what is your morning routine like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? Well, the first thing I do is feed my birds and my cats. And then, um, well, at some point I greet my husband I uh, have some water with a little essential oil in it, and then I go to my morning meditation with my crystals and in my sacred space in my house. Uh, And what book do you have for us today? What book would you like to recommend for our listeners? I really love Penny Pierce's Frequency, The Power of Personal Vibration. I just love how she explains all of these energetic concepts, but she continues to bring it back home to the personal, like she says, the personal vibration and coming back to what she says, the home frequency. So I think that that really is, it's, it's a book that has just been inspiring me over and over for the last couple of years. And I highly recommend it. So Action Tribe, I know how much you love our book recommendations. And I know that many of you purchase these books as soon as you hear them shared on our show. That's why audible.com is offering Action Tribe, one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can listen to your favorite book right away and check out their amazing service. Now, Audible, if you don't know, has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or Kindle, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, who's been on our show, Autobiography of for Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook and start listening, go to audibletrial.com forward slash MSC. Once again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash MSC. That's my seven chakras, MSC, for your free audiobook. So, Trisha, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story as well as sharing uh, these nuggets of wisdom that our listeners can learn from and apply. Um, before you go, tell us something that you are grateful for and tell us how we can find you online. I am I'm grateful for understanding that I have access to infinite intelligence and also knowing that I know, I always know where love is. Love has never lost me and I've never lost love. And that's all that we really need to know. I'm grateful for that connection and that feeling every day and how they can find me, how everyone can find me. My website is Trisha Carr Charm and that's T-R-I-C-I-A-C-A-R-R. 
and the word charm, trishakarcharm.com. So, Trisha, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about psychic abilities, telepathy, and subtle energies, and spirit animals, and so many other things, and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you so much for having me, AJ. This is wonderful. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.